Have you ever considered why there's so much public interest in heart disease? I'm always fascinated that ears perk up whenever some new study gives clues for keeping our hearts healthy, like drink red wine, buy Cheerios, eat oatmeal, avoid fats, red meat, get lots of exercise, you know the whole routine. And I'm convinced that one reason that America's obsession with healthy physical hearts is that heart trouble reminds us we're mortals. And the last thing American culture wants to think about is death. What's even more fascinating to me is how few people seem interested in a cure for a far more serious form of heart disease, which Jesus calls troubled hearts, broken hearts, hearts filled with fear, guilt, and loneliness, hearts that are searching for God but feel unworthy to be with him. Therefore, they're separated. And I don't know what's troubling your heart this morning, but God does. And Jesus has a cure for it. You see, Easter is all about the cure Jesus Christ offers for troubled hearts. In fact, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. That implies we have a choice. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Well, what do we trust about Jesus? Well, very simply, we trust, we believe he is who he claims to be, God in the flesh. We believe he's alive today, resurrected from the dead after having given his life on the cross for our sins. Now, obviously, that kind of trust is a tall order for a logical thinking mind, a scientific mind. Many of you have that today. So you ask, how can I know for certain that Jesus is God in the flesh? And how can trusting Jesus cure my troubled heart? The Mercury ran an article describing how some preachers are seeking to define God and they're very diverse uh, congregations. One calls him a gardener. And, you know, if you read the article, all kinds of names. And it struck me that if we get away from the biblical definition of God that Jesus gave us, we can define God any way we want. And that's what society is doing today. But if we accept the Bible as God's word, we have a very clear description of God. And it's simple. God is like Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. Even Paul put it this way. He's the image of the invisible God. For in him all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible, invisible. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, let me offer some critical questions to the person on a spiritual journey, because we assume today some are here. And it's my joy just to share with you what we believe and how we got there. So here's a question for you. Suppose Jesus is who he claims to be, God in the flesh. And suppose he can forgive sins and provide eternal life after death. The first question, does what Jesus offers hold any relevance for you? Are you concerned about life after death? Are you concerned about sins? And then, secondly, if you're concerned, do you have any personal assurance for your eternal future after physical death? One of the basic ingredients of Easter is that it takes away the fear of dying because it tells us what's on the other side of the grave. It's the only answer ever been given. Reflecting about heart disease, 
I think about clogged arteries, you know, that give no symptoms until it's too late. We hear somebody died of a massive heart attack and here they were recluded and didn't know it. And on the spiritual realm, I think of people who live without any hope of a life beyond the grave. And what's worse, they just don't seem to care. There's a convention of atheists in San Francisco this week. You might have read about them flaunting their lack of concern about heaven or hell. In fact, one 85-year-old guy dying of cancer just simply said, I'm going to spit in the eye of hell because hell doesn't exist. Now, the Bible tells us that every person one day will stand before God and give an account of his or her life. And the good news is that we Christians believe God offers believers total security for that moment of being forgiven, of being accepted by God, and certainty about where and with whom we will be for all eternity. Now that's a treasure if it concerns you. My responsibility as a preacher forces me to ask, what, what kind of proof or witness could I offer someone on a journey of faith? Well, some preachers um, <coughs> offer historical evidence for the resurrection and judgment day and eternal life in terms of people who've believed it, the witness of the Bible. But, you know, today I'd like to just give you my one witness that I think is most authentic for me because it's my experience of Jesus Christ having trusted him most of my life. And this is what I know. Jesus has proven to me beyond any doubt that he's God in the flesh. I'm confident he died on the cross for my sins and was resurrected from the dead, giving me power to giving him power to offer me forgiveness over and over again when I deserve nothing but judgment. And I live in the security of his grace, knowing there's nothing I can do <coughs> to make him stop loving me or that will prevent me from joining him in heaven. And of all the sources of fulfillment and meaning and security that I trust in this life, Jesus is at the top of my list. Now, I want to tell you, becoming a Christian isn't a matter of getting religious. Religion, if defined as us reaching to God, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is about God reaching to us through his son, Jesus. Christianity is an intimate, growing, loving relationship with Jesus. <coughs> He's alive today, personally involved in our lives, cares about what's going on, answers prayer. Trusting his free and amazing grace gives us a fulfilled life now and an assurance of life after death. And you know what? My witness is only one among millions of Christians through the ages who trusted what Jesus says is true, and it's changed their life. Now, imagine the impact on your life if you could become absolutely convinced that God is like Jesus. Imagine that God is not a judge ready to zap you, condemn you for your sins, but a father, rich in mercy, full of compassion, and so totally in love with you, his child, he's willing to die on the cross rather than live without you in heaven. That's phenomenal. To believe what Jesus says about the nature of God is to experience his divine cure for a troubled heart. Hearts troubled by guilt and fear and stress and despair. And then imagine the security of knowing when it's time for you to leave this earth that you're going to spend eternity in heaven because you trusted Jesus as your savior from sin. Listen to the most important verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. 
What a fabulous reason. That's why we Christians celebrate today. That's why the flowers and the music and the hallelujahs. This is the good news of Easter. At a recent conference, a speaker told a story about a Christian who had contracted a terminal disease and all his friends came to mourn his fate, to pray for his healing. And his answer struck me as so indicative of the treasure we Christians possess with our Easter hope. He said, hey, you guys, I've been preparing for this moment all my life. Why would you pray for me to stay here when I can go and be with Jesus? Get over it. Now, I'm not there yet, but, you know, that's a lot of faith. On that inevitable day, just think, the inevitable day of our physical death, Jesus gives us the incredible comfort of knowing where we're going and, more importantly, with whom we'll be for all eternity. How can you beat that? And I always ask, how could you resist it? When the alternatives are pretty lousy, if you think about it. How, if that makes sense, let me ask a question. How does one take this step of faith to trust Jesus and find his cure for a troubled heart? And you know, this is the simplicity of Christianity. We theologians sometimes make it so complex, it isn't. To experience the cure Jesus offers for a troubled heart simply begins with an awareness, I need it, and I can't fix myself, and I'm going to trust, step out in faith that what Jesus says is true. And this is what he promises to give you if you take that step of faith. The gift of a restored character, forgiving and bearing the things of which you're ashamed in your past and you can't fix, neither can I. The gift of mercy and grace rather than judgment that we know we deserve because on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. And the gift of eternal life, of being accepted into the family of God as one of his children, cherished, restored. It's like coming home to a father's arms and being enfolded in his love, as Jesus told the story of the prodigal son. That's what Christianity is. It isn't religion. It isn't dogma. It isn't following rules you can't keep. It's a relationship. The Bible puts it so clearly. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. And he who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. That simple, that clear, that awesome. And once we step out in faith and believe that what Jesus says is true, and why wouldn't we believe it, no one has ever disproved it, then this promise that cures troubled hearts becomes your personal possession. In my Father's house are many rooms, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So Paul puts it, so we don't lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed every day. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God eternal in the heavens. This is the Easter message. This explains the peace Christians experience in the presence of death. We can handle it. Last year in the tragedy at Littleton, Colorado, one of the teenage girls killed was a Christian. You might remember her. Her father was at her funeral describing the comfort that he found in knowing that in heaven, Jesus will more than make up for all the dating and the proms and the college and the marriage and the parenting that his daughter missed here through her untimely death. Only a Christian can say that because we have a hope beyond what the person who has no hope doesn't possess. The Bible says, and this is so true for you today, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I don't know what's troubling your heart today, but nothing after trusting Jesus can separate you from his love. If God perhaps has knocked on the door of that heart of yours, and, and you know, maybe every Easter or whatever, you get a scratch to consider this thing, and today might be the day you make a decision to become a Christian. And if you know that you need Christ's cure for a troubled heart, I want to tell you, don't go home again without answering that knock. That's God's love knocking. Trusting Jesus, becoming a Christian, experiencing the confidence that nothing can separate you from his love is the most important decision you're ever going to make in your life. It's our passion on a weekend like this one to tell you the good news that's been proclaimed through the years, bought at such a price through the cross of Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me in prayer?